Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. As you can imagine, every function is kind of different. And so within the marketing and e-commerce function, content is a big one, digital shelf, and kind of having a generative AI engine underneath that. I mean, you've got a thousand people within the sales organization. If we can make their jobs easier by helping them decide what store they need to walk into in the morning or what categories they need to focus on, we're testing our way through generative AI in a number of different functions today, but I'm excited to see where it can go. Welcome to today's episode of Brave Commerce. I'm Rachel Tippograph, the founder and CEO of Micmac. I'm Sarah Hofsetter, president of Profitero. And this is a show that talks about what's relevant in e-commerce for the world's biggest brands. Sarah, I remember from my gap days, I sat in a global seat, but so much of the work was really about aligning between global and regional teams. And at the end of the day, the regional teams really controlled the PL. So their decision mattered. Well, I, I think there's this thing where the role that global plays actually varies tremendously. Even as I've worked with my own team at Profitero on how we think like a customer, one of the first questions is where are the decision rights and where are the influence rights? And at the same company, we've seen it go back and forth like every 18 months because there's pros and cons to each model. And so when you're looking at these kinds of things, what's the role of global? What's the role of regional? What's the role of local? And then within each of those permutations, where does that sit organizationally? So you could see local influence and global decisions or the flip. And there's really no one right or wrong way in terms of which decision you pick. But in terms of how you operationalize it, there are many wrong ways and only a few right ways to get it done well. You would think that technology can solve some of these pain points. I mean, as, as both of us as global suppliers of technology, the idea is you can have one platform to eliminate waste or inefficiencies across an organization. Oh, we both actually represent global companies. And because we both support global companies and partner with global companies, the idea would be that the only way to be able to operate a global organization would be to figure out how to serve the masters at the global and local level. And if you can't, then there's probably a bigger problem statement here. So then the question becomes, well, how do you make it accessible at all levels for all use cases, right? A hundred percent. And 
with AI, I mean, that hopefully can be a solution that really can democratize knowledge, but also make it accessible at the local level. Not just at the local level, but at the use case level. I mean, I references Profitero. We just uh, a couple of weeks ago announced Ask Profitero, which is our open AI chat capability so that you can take the data no matter where the source is within Profitero and help answer your own questions. So if a global stakeholder wants to understand, hey, how's my product content scorecard across all my retailers, that global stakeholder can look at it that way. And then if you're a local brand manager and you want to understand your assortment and availability stats, you can ask that way. And so using AI to better understand how to get your questions answered using the same data set as a source of truth is a great way to make it a heck of a lot easier to get to answers regardless of what your job is. Well, let's bring Baral Shah onto the show who's working at, some would argue, the biggest CPG company in the world, Nestle, on how he's navigating global, local AI and so much more. We are happy to have Viral Shah, Chief Digital and E-Commerce Officer for Nestle USA. Viral, thanks so much for joining us today. We're thrilled to have you. Absolutely. Couldn't be happier. Thank you, Sarah and Rachel, for having me. This is a show that talks about what's relevant in e-commerce for the world's biggest brands. I believe you have some of the biggest brands. Are you still the largest FMCG company in the world? We are. It's funny, we get talked about a lot as the largest food and beverage company. We're actually the largest CPG company, even beyond food and beverage, when you actually look at our sales globally. That's a lot to chew off. Thankfully, we're only talking about the U.S. because we would need a much longer podcast if we were going global. And we're, we're talking about Nestle USA. And is it still called Nusa? It is. That's correct. Okay. So Nusa, just for the purposes of this conversation, is the food division for lack of a better term, within Nestle USA, correct? Yes, it's our food and beverage business within the U.S. market. Got it. That's a lot. Even just the food. I mean, these are brands, folks, that you may not even realize are owned by Nestle and New. So you, you want to throw a couple of surprises out there just for our audience at the stage? Sure. You know, it's funny. I talk about it with my family all the time because we'll go to the store and I'll pick something up and they're like, oh, don't you have to buy Nestle products? I'm like, oh, no, this is a Nestle product. <laughs> what pizza brands you got? That's actually my favorite category that we play in. So we sell Jack's, we sell Tombstone, we sell DiGiorno, we sell CPK. We sell a lot more frozen food within our meals business as well, um, like Lean Cuisine and Stouffer's. We've got a very strong beverage business across our creamers category. Actually, I'm drinking Essential Water right now, which is one of our newest brands. We pretty much play across the store. Let's talk about the role of e-com and digital as it relates to the fact that you're basically in every aisle in the physical store, but you know people shop by keyword online, they don't shop by aisle. So when you think about all the different experiences that you have had, whether that's in marketing, sales, strategy, you're in this role facilitating so much. How do you even get people to change their mindset and what skills do you need within your core team in order to elevate that conversation across NUSA? So I'll answer that question in two ways. I think the first is we're not necessarily looking to change consumers' mindsets. I think the consumer knows what they want, especially when they're going online. They're probably searching for things very specifically. We want to be where the consumer is. We want to be where the consumer is going. We know the consumer is going online. And so that means that we need to be there and we need to have a big presence there whether it's through search or whether it's through our content or our media. 
The second part to that is actually really important. The second part to your question, which is we're really looking for people who have end to end mindsets when you think about e-commerce. It is a very different space because you are actually following the consumer throughout the entire journey. So a little bit different than in-store where we have traditional marketers, we have traditional sales force, we have a traditional supply chain. Really, when we're looking to hire people within the e-commerce team, we're looking for people who understand a broad spectrum across the board because you do have to follow the consumer throughout that entire journey. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just the thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. You mentioned how it's e-com, but what we're consistently hearing and seeing, Sarah and I, throughout the ecosystem is that digital does influence offline sales. So for people who do have strong brick-and-mortar roots, are there certain things that they need to upskill on to move into econ, because I'm sure it's still valuable that they they deeply understand, you know, shelf space at Walmart. Yeah, you know, it's funny we're still figuring out what that percentage is because, as you can imagine, as we're all kind of fighting for one pool of funding, there is a strong argument to be made that a lot of offline sales is actually being obviously influenced through digital. And so, for folks who are really focused on digital marketing, I think having that understanding of the digital shelf search content is really, really important. So we're actually, Nestle, we're actually embedding most of our e-com end-to-end processes within the broader marketing organization. So anytime you launch a new item, you are not just taking physical pictures, but you're actually taking images of what's going to show up online. You're making sure all those boxes are checked. We're thinking through price spec architecture, all of that. We're doing that ahead of any item actually being able to be launched because we know that the impact of offline will also happen online as well. So you are focused on USA, which is Nestle's largest market. That's correct, right? Correct. Okay. I imagine even though you are the largest part of the business, you still have a lot of global stakeholders. Talk to us about that sort of probably healthy tension between what's happening within the region and then global overseeing what's happening for the larger organization and trying to find efficiencies across it. So it's funny, we actually over-index even in e-commerce globally than we do in total business. So although we make up about 30, 35% of the business globally, we actually over-index even within e-com, which just makes us that much more of an important marketplace overall as we achieve our global targets. 
To be honest, it's an ongoing balance. We obviously are the world's biggest CPG company and the U.S. market is the largest market. There is a lot of power that comes with that globally and with that type of scale. But at the same time, every single market is very unique. It's very different in where kind of it is in its overall capability journey. So we are working very closely with the global team, both to be able to take some learnings from other markets, like China is actually a market that we take a lot of learnings from. But at the same time, we also work with them because some of the things that we're doing, we can provide scale to a lot of other markets. And as you think about my role, it actually combines e-com with digital. And so the digital aspect of my role includes things like generative AI and automation and a lot of the things that we're really kind of taking the ownership of piloting here in the U.S., and then taking those learnings and working with global to figure out how we can actually expand that. So we really do work as one global company in the end. You said the buzzword, so I got to ask. <laughs> when it comes to generative AI, what are you guys playing around with? Yeah, I mean, we're doing a lot of testing and learning right now, to be honest. As you can imagine, every function is kind of different. And so within the marketing and e-commerce function, content is a big one, digital shelf and kind of having a generative AI engine underneath that. These are definitely things that we're keeping our eye out on and exploring within the sales world. That's where I come from. I mean, you've got a thousand people within the sales organization. If we can make their jobs easier by helping them decide what store they need to walk into in the morning or what categories they need to focus on, we're testing our way through generative AI in a number of different functions today, but I'm excited to see where it can go. Well. We're excited to show you how it can get there. By we, I mean me, Sarah Proptero, not Brave Commerce, but you know that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> I wanted to go back to what you were saying about preparing for new product launches and how you can ready the teams more holistically. You were talking about EPPA and you were talking about content. Like, do you guys have a toolkit for how you think about it now versus before? If it's not necessarily a toolkit. How do you change the hearts and minds and actions of the local sales teams that are working with the individual customer retailers? So we've got really four or five key capabilities that we want to focus on within e-commerce. And one of the biggest ones is price pack architecture. And as we think about innovation, innovation doesn't always have to be that new disruptive innovation, although we will obviously have some of that and look at it. But a lot of innovation today in the world of inflation and the world of strategic revenue management and figuring out how we can offset some of that without taking price increase after price increase is really thinking strategically about our products, the packaging, the sizes, the different flavors, and what makes sense. It doesn't make sense to have a 24-pack of essential water potentially in a C-store or in a 7-Eleven, but on Amazon, it probably doesn't make sense to sell one single unit. So how do we make sure that we are really thinking about innovation beyond just disruptive um, and thinking about it through price back architecture is definitely something that I think has changed over the last three to five years. So how do you get, like when you're going in with a JVP to insert grocer here, how do you use the learnings from the digital shelf to then ultimately drive okay, here are the innovations we're going to be bringing to market in-store, online. Here's how we see them intersecting. And here's what we're going to do differently as probably in many cases, a category leader to get that done. Probably three or four years ago, when we were having that conversation with retailers, it was always seen as kind of Amazon was the online and they were the offline. And so the discussions were maybe a little bit more difficult as we were trying to figure out 
why there were certain items that maybe some retailers felt like they wanted and they weren't able to get. In today's world, that line is so blurred. Every brick and mortar retailer has an online site. And so as they get more kind of as their capabilities build up within their supply chain and they have the ability to be able to take on certain products and sell it only online or only offline, we're able to offer more value to those retailers, even the brick and mortar ones. So I think our discussions sound and look very different today than they did three to five years ago. The key is just bringing the insights behind it and making sure that we have that data that demonstrates why an online consumer doesn't maybe buy a one pack or why it doesn't make sense from a profit perspective to sell a one pack, but why it might in store. And so we we have a robust insights team here that's always working on figuring out how to tell that story. Speaking of insights, given Nestle's position in market, I imagine you have a pretty good sense of where growth is going to come from for the industry. So today, e-grocery revenue is around 12% of total sales for typically companies like Nestle. It's not the pandemic anymore. Growth has slowed down. So from an e-commerce standpoint, where do you think growth in the category will come from? You know, obviously we do work at Nestle. We do have a, a large insights team. I think if I knew the exact answer to that question, I would be playing the lottery much more often because I think over the last five years, every time I try to predict what the e-commerce penetration is going to be three years down the road where something happens like the pandemic or, you know, something else where it ends up being very different than what we thought. Our projections obviously tell us that although growth has, has slowed, that we will continue to see growth. There is a behavior change that happened during COVID that I think isn't necessarily just going to go all the way back. And so there are a lot of people, and I, I use my parents as the best example, there's 75-year-old empty nesters that live in the middle of Michigan and have never shopped online before. And three years ago, they went exclusively. I got them I got them a membership and they just exclusively bought online for a year. And now, although they're able to go back to the store and and you know, the pandemic is quote unquote officially over, they still probably spend 50% of their purchases online. And so that is a purchase that probably wouldn't have happened three years ago. So we have seen our growth continue. We've actually been lucky enough to say that over the last four years, even since the pandemic, we have not had a year where we've actually declined in growth. Um, obviously, growth has slowed down, but we continue to see double-digit growth even three years after the pandemic because we think that behavior has just not changed. Given the fact that Nestle is so acquisitive, when it comes to thinking about growth, are there certain product categories that the organization feels strongly about to double down on e-com growth? Definitely, there is a current challenge that we haven't 100% figured out around products in our frozen and our refrigerated portfolio. The cost of, of shipping one lean cuisine or one DiGiorno pizza, like we talked about earlier at the beginning of the podcast, is much more difficult than us being able to ship, for example, water, or for us being able to ship a lot of our shelf-stable products. So as we think about focus, we're obviously focused on our entire portfolio, but there are definitely areas that we have prioritized that we believe will have stronger growth over the next six to 12 months while we figure out how to build the capabilities to deliver growth on the remaining parts of our portfolio. Yeah, I think everyone in the industry is in the, the same seat. Yep. Whether it's you're selling frozen or you're selling chocolate that melts. Yeah, especially because for us, you know, sustainability is also a major initiative. 
And so we want to be able to balance that. Okay, how do you ship your chocolate chip morsels in July without putting a bunch of things in the package that then adds to the unsustainability piece? So finding that balance is something that we we continue to strive to do. 100%. Well, we have to ask you our famous last question, which is what's the bravest thing you've ever done? Ah, I should have anticipated that question. I did not. That's uh, that's on me. Geez, I would say career-wise, the bravest thing I probably have ever done, and I probably have done it a few times, is just jump into roles that I absolutely knew nothing about at the time I did. And I always tell people that I mentor that if you've got a good background and you you are a quick learner um, and you're a smart person, that you shouldn't be afraid to do different things. I was one of the first people like 15 years ago to jump into the category management space before really that became big. You know, seven, eight years ago, I was the first general manager of e-com when I worked at Campbell's, which at that time we didn't even have a separate team. And then just six months ago, I took on a role beyond e-commerce leading our digital space and, and kind of digital automation and generative AI, a space that I didn't have a ton of background in and I'm actually really excited learning about. So I think that probably career-wise, just continue to take on new things. In my personal life, I have three kids and I have coached each one of them in pretty much every single sport you can think of, from soccer to tennis to baseball to basketball. And I would say probably 14 years ago when I first started doing that, coaching a bunch of three-year-olds playing soccer and trying to actually think that they may listen to me when I kind of talk to them probably is the bravest thing I've ever done personally. <laughs> so it sounds like harder than managing employees. Absolutely harder than managing employees because they have no interest in listening to what you say. <laughs> well, thank you for your insights. We're excited to watch Nestle grow. Hopefully continue to beat the category and figure out if all of these investments in AI are paying off. That's great. Well, thank you for having me today. It's been great. Well, that was super insightful. There's so much to be able to learn from how different organizations get ready for these upcoming revolutions and revolutions in progress. If you like this episode, I would recommend that you have a listen to Eduardo Luz at Panera Brands, who talked about how they've been using AI for quite some time to accelerate their brand's success. If you're thinking about that whole global local and want to dive a little bit deeper, I'd recommend Boris Rutten from Henkel Consumer Brands, as well as Ji Chang at Mondelez International. If you like this episode or any of the other ones that I mentioned, please share it with a friend, give us a review, and or just let us know directly. Looking forward to seeing you at the next episode. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just the thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? 
Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. Hi, I'm Jackie Cooper, Global Chief Brand Officer at Edelman and the host of Touch of Truth, a new podcast launching on the Adweek Podcast Network. My dad gave me this incredibly smart piece of advice. Meet everyone once. As a result, I've met some of the most fascinating and inspiring people on the planet. Now on Touch of Truth, we're coming center stage and sharing the mic to experience stories of truth, insights and visions for the future that will challenge your way of thinking. Touch of Truth is available wherever you listen to podcasts. New episodes come out every Tuesday. I do hope to see you there.